Episode 17. Neither failure nor success define who you are. I'm Dr. Justin Trostclair. I'm your host. And today, we're Teresa Lipsy Perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trostclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Today, we have a different type of guest. We have a designer and a serial entrepreneur, like an interior designer. I've been knowing her for quite a while. We'll go into that just a little bit into the episode. But she is a testament of perseverance and having that entrepreneurial spirit and her husband and how they were able to reinvent themselves, keep their marriage alive, and in tough situations, still find the positive, work their way through it, and come out the other side better than they were before. It's a very inspirational hour. Really enjoyed it. And I think you guys will too. All the show notes, adoptersperspective.net slash one seven. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Podcast world, welcome back to the show. Today we have a special guest, Teresa Lipsy. She is a designer, an editor, and a serial entrepreneur. And I've had the privilege of knowing her for Almost eight years, I think. Yeah, it might even be longer than that, Justin. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> well, I'll just give the quick story of how we met. We were in Colorado, and my clinic needed to be redecorated. And I said, hey, how about how about Teresa? And she just hooked me up with <laughs> my color scheme that I wanted, cream, cream walls, burgundy highlights, match the furniture. I mean, I still have those barrel <laughs> chairs that you got me that were like designer. Yeah. With a desk from school. Oh, my gosh. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you were fun to work with. We did some blue, too, if I can remember. I got pictures, but I'd have to go back and look at them. <laughs> now, those grays always turned out blue for me. <laughs> well, you know what? You're probably colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I'll have to talk to that doctor. <sighs> so what have you been up to? It's been, you know, you've had some, uh, you had, back then you had a, a, clo- a boutique clothing store. Yeah. Now you've got a magazine Give me the rundown. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, lots been going on. Um, you know, Eric and I, we've been at it now for, let's see, this month will be our 13 years that we've been together. And out of 12 of those years, we have been entrepreneurs. And you probably know some of the story, but we have been through a lot of different types of businesses. We've invested and we've been in real estate together. We've owned a couple of fashion boutiques. We had a fashion magazine for about three years. And then, of course, I've always had my interior design business on the side as well. And I've always been doing that pretty much since I was 13. So we've been we've been through a lot together, a lot of successes and failures and pitfalls and challenges. So it's it's been an adventure for sure. Give us a story about one of the maybe the pitfalls. And what did you learn from that? You know, um, the biggest one I think that I can think of that I remember um, having the most struggle through is when we did the real estate company together. It was back in 2006 and seven when people here in Colorado, as you remember, the market was just absolutely crazy and people were just buying up everything. And we got into a couple deals um, that sort of set us back quite a bit. Um, we had a lot of outgoing bills every month because at that time we had eight houses. And during that time, people were refinancing and cashing out and people were buying up properties. And 
what had happened basically is that we got into a couple deals where the appraisals were pushed over value because you know back then people appraisers were pushing these values trying to get more work and more work and more work and they were making all kinds of money just like everybody else right and then what had ha- what mm-hmm. had happened was we bought these overpriced homes and we went to refinance to get that cash out. Well, we found out there was no cash. The these houses that we paid for and these were like six hundred and fifty thousand dollar homes. So the houses that we paid for were actually worth what we paid. There was no cash value attached to these homes whatsoever. So at that time, we were we kind of knew we, it was coming down because our bills like. Or twenty grand a month. We had we had properties to pay for. We were banking on this cash. So after that uh, debacle, <laughs> we basically um, we lost everything because we couldn't keep up, and we counted on that cash flow to make and to keep moving forward. So after that period, it was it was extremely stressful. Oh my goodness, the most stressful probably part of my life because we went from going about making about I'd say three hundred thousand dollars a year to almost broke. Wow. So that took a huge toll on our marriage, on ourselves, um, especially our confidence and getting back out there and staying focused and following our passions and our dreams. So that, that put a huge dent in all of that. Did you, can you remember anything that you guys did? Because a lot of people will just divorce when it gets to that stressful, funny money situation. Can you recall anything that you guys did or to really unite each other? Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Several things. We kept each other up. It was really weird because there were there were days when Eric was down and I was there to be up and then I would be down and he held me up and we were truly there for each other. We talked everything out. And, you know, I remember one conversation. I remember exactly where I was standing, where we had the conversation and everything. And I was like, you know, what are we, what are we doing here? What what do you want? Like, what do you want out of life? And it was heated and we had this heated conversation and there were times where we're like, you know what, I don't think this is going to work anymore or whatever. And then it just, we, we kept it really simple with each other. It's like, you know what, what do you want? And I was like, I want to, I want to be successful. I want to make a difference and I want to be happy. And he's like, well, I want the same thing. So how can we make that work? And that's exactly what we did. Like moving forward, we would go back to that moment and just say, you know, remember that one time when we were just straight up with each other? It's like, what do you want? And he's like, yeah, let's get back to that place and sort of start the restart button and remember why we got together in the first place and why we're here and what we feel our purpose is. And then let's move forward on that purpose. So I guess that's that's the uh foo-foo-y part of it but as far as like what we actually did like physically it was a lot of work a lot of work and a lot of communication and respect and we've kind of mastered that i guess if you can say as a couple (laughs) that's fantastic Mm, yeah oh man now let's let's go into these boutique shops Mm -hmm. these these clothing Mm -hmm. stores because i remember the one you had in um, bradburn bradburn My yeah. goodness. And it was a really slick store Thanks. and it was like three stories and you lived on yeah. top. I mean, it was a, it was really sweet. Yeah. But I, I I think it was uh, 2008. Yeah, that's exactly when. It, Some time frame with the, with the housing crash. Yeah. So, so give us the story with that. How'd that go? How'd okay, that turn about? Well, this was now shortly after. This was right after the real estate debacle, believe it or not. So um, at that time, 
when we knew our finances and our cash flow and everything was coming to a halt, basically we knew we were about to lose all of our homes. We knew we were about to lose our BMWs because there was no way we could afford our $1,500 a month in car payments, right? So we, we knew that was coming. And so we started to realize, um, okay, so what do we have, right? So we have a few homes with some appliances in it that technically we own. So we sold what we could. We sold what we could. We were living in a, at that time, we were living in about a 6,000 square foot home and we sold the appliances out of that home. And we're like, okay, we've got this much, ca- this much cash. And I was running, um, Reese's Rocks was the accessories, the uh, handbags and belts and jewelry. So at that time or during that time, that real estate time, I was selling and doing little shows out of the home. I was doing traveling shows with my product and making pretty good money. So um, we actually went through bankruptcy. So we, we filed for bankruptcy. We included everything in the bankruptcy. But of course, the attorney basically said, you know, you can have $10,000 worth of inventory uh, from your business. So we were able to keep that inventory from Reese's Rocks. And with that inventory mm. and the cash that we were able to come up with out of the things that we sold, that's when we turned around and we opened a store right away. Wow. So a lot of people don't know that, but we literally opened that store. Don't laugh. You probably will laugh. But we literally opened that store with around $5,000 cash and about $10,000 worth of product. That's pretty good. Heck yeah. (laughs) I mean, when you don't have any, when you really don't have any funding. But see, that was just an example of how we refused to give up. It's like, okay, what do we have? What can we do with it? And then that place that we moved into in Bradworn, of course, was perfect for us. The store was on the bottom. We lived up top. The landlord was awesome. He worked with us. And we did so well through that year, that 2008. As soon as we opened, we did so well. But then, of course, October is when the stock market crashed. And then we crashed again. So huge learning lesson, of course. But it was so tough, Justin. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, I can't even imagine, but, but you did it again. You were able to, yeah. to work through it. We did it again. Yeah, we definitely worked through it. That was another challenging time, of course, for us and for our marriage. And, and of course, for our egos, because you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to make it. You know, it's our second time around. We're going to make it. And then, you know, you get slammed again. And it's really tough bouncing back from that. It really is. Um, emotionally. Even physically, it takes a toll on you, too. That's stress, man. That can really get you down, keep you down. Absolutely. Um, of course, as I got into yoga at that time, too, I was like, I need some peace in my life. <laughs> so yoga was a huge help for me. Um, let's see. That's about it for that, anyway. I'm curious. And if you don't, you don't have to go too deep in this. It's up to you. You were pretty busy and active in the chamber, in the community, mm-hmm. and things like that. And then your business disappears within a you know, few months because of the, you know, People didn't have the cash like they had. And, and again, you weren't really like in the middle of Denver. This was like a suburb, like a nice neighborhood in a suburb just to let people know where you were at. It's a destination. Right. Yes. How do you deal with the influence kind of disappearing when you're, you know, like I said, kind of you were with the chamber, you were busy, you were active, and all of a sudden kind of poof, everything's kind of gone. We were gone. Yeah. Like how do you deal with that? Because that's something I think a lot of people have to deal with, the that weird in-between stage of like, wait, what happened to your business? Where are you at? And all that kind of stuff. Right. It's you're right. I get it. It's really awkward because, you know, you're seen in the in the public or in your community as being successful. And then, you know, it happens and then you're not anymore. Right. Well, to be honest with you, we 
we really weren't that involved in the community. We we were members. We became a member of the Chamber of Commerce um, when we opened Reese's yeah. Rocks, but I really wasn't involved too much into the chamber. Um, but most of the people that I uh, communicated with and really hung out with were the people that came to the mm. store. So, you know, after the store was closed, I was getting, and this was pre-Facebook. So you're think I'm thinking... I mean, I was on Facebook and the business was on Facebook, but I didn't put myself out there on Facebook as I do today. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it really wasn't that difficult during that 2008, 2009 period, mainly because of the social media. But today, that would be a completely different story. People would be knocking on my door saying, hey, are you okay? What happened to you? But it wasn't like that in 2008 or 2009. (laughs) So that's good then. Yeah, it was good. It was kind of a blessing in disguise, I guess, because really people, we kind of, you know, we had to take a step back. And then, of course, as you well, you as you probably know, after um, we had to close the store in February, so we were open one year. So in 2009, um, we closed the store in February, in January, and then that's when we found out we were pregnant. So. Oh. Yay! Broken pregnant! <laughs> Broke twice now and pregnant, so... <laughs> Oh, so man. now let's let's transition. How did you get okay? So you you had clothing a real store, and now we're transitioning yeah. into digital a digital magazine about fashion, about okay. design, and now you're the editor okay. of it as well. So give us the background on that and, and the evolution. Okay, Eric and I when uh after we had to close our first shop, Races Rocks, um we were trying to think of a concept and a platform rather of how we could help entrepreneurs. So at that time, we were more into the fashion thing because we had a fashion boutique. So we were thinking, what could we create or invent that would help fashion boutiques around the world? So that's when we actually started um, topboutiqueshop.com, right? So the goal of that or the purpose of that was to allow boutiques to be listed for free, completely free. So I was pregnant at home, making phone calls and emails to boutique owners all around the world, getting them listed. We ha- we hired someone to create a website for us. And so that that was sort of our transition into that online era, into that online platform idea of helping uh, fashion boutiques, mm-hmm. so locations, because we were passionate about that. So that's when the Top Boutique Shop launched, and that's where the idea came from. And then that slowly but surely, I built that up to... We built that up to about 500 um, boutiques around the world. So Eric and I were thinking, okay, so we've got all this audience of these boutique owners. What should we do next? Mm -hmm. So we thought, well, what if we um, created a magazine that we could put these boutiques in? And then at that time also, I knew and got to know a lot of the um, fashion brand or not brands, but designers in the Denver area. And we were sort of building the fashion uh, rapport, I guess, in Denver, in the Denver area. So at that time, we were thinking, okay, so what should we do with this knowledge? And, and then we were, we were just thinking what to do next. And Eric's like, Hey, let's, let's start a magazine. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, I have no, I have no knowledge. I mean, I was in yearbook in high school, Justin, (laughs) yearbook in high school. That's the extent of my magazine editing knowledge, right? And so it was Eric's idea. And he's like, let's just do it. I'm like, honey, what are you talking about? I have no idea how to create a magazine and let alone design a whole magazine, right? And he's like, oh, but you're so good at that kind of stuff. We'll figure it out. I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) 
So that's, I mean, that's exactly how it went. I, I just thought he was crazy. And of course, we're crazy together. So we made it work. And that's when we, um, I mean, a few things happened between, because uh, we, we then we opened another boutique yeah. Yeah, in, the, in the process. So we opened a second boutique after, um, shortly after that time period too, because our, our thoughts or ideas were, okay, let's open a consignment shop because we have this audience now, right? We have this global audience. We have these brands that want to be in our magazine. So what if we... What, what if we feature these brands and they ship us product and we sell it out of the shop? And that's exactly what we did. So we were able to get an investor. We opened up our second shop, which was downtown in the Golden Triangle area, which, of course, you've never been because I think that at that time you weren't living in Colorado anymore. Is yeah, that correct? I, I kind of got out of there around 2013-ish. Yeah, that's exactly pretty much when it was. And we opened another shop and it was going really well. And I had an office in the back where I focused on Fashion Affair. And that's where that's where Fashion Affair magazine was born in my uh, my friend's duplex in the basement. That's where we were living at the time. And Ajna was just a baby and she was like six months old. And that's when we launched Fashion Affair. And then I just got into the fashion scene, fashion scene and I literally taught myself how to design magazines and how to build a magazine from scratch and that included people too so i got to know the right people i I developed relationships with designers all around the world and it's amazing to me if i if i could take a year off i know people were i know where i would stay all around the world because of all the connections that i have it's amazing oh my goodness (laughs) And I'm saying that there's a huge community of people who have made different types of magazine, whether you like bicycles or whatever. Yeah. And it's kind of the same format. You just have to learn what they're doing and duplicate it. Yeah, exactly. The digital world. I mean, you can create anything and anybody can create a magazine. Now, the thing is with magazines, though, you've got to learn or understand what people want to see mm-hmm. and what they want to read and or if they want to read. Because, you know, people now, they just, they just don't read anything. They'll listen to things, right? And they'll watch things. I want a it's really book. difficult to get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really, or yeah, it's just why I'm on this right now, this podcast. People just prefer listening to things. And so it's, it's definitely becoming a digital world and which I love. It's, it's amazing because I wouldn't have those connections that I do today if it wasn't for the digital world. So. What kind of platform? Is there like a internet platform that you use to build an online magazine? You know, like a lot of people use WordPress for in, for internet, but... The platform that I've always used is Issue. Issue. And it's, yeah, it's the largest digital platform to upload your own PDF or your upload magazine to. And they get it and you can campaign do campaigns with them and they have a huge, huge global audience. So, of course, it costs money to run campaigns with them and get your magazine seen by the world. Hmm. It's amazing. It's a really great platform. What's your goal with it? What's your like your five year goal with this magazine? Um, with Ventra now Ventra is different because that was that was fashion affair and fashion affair just to take a couple steps back is I loved it. I really enjoyed the fashion, of course, the fashion scene. I learned a lot about the fashion industry while doing it. Mm-hmm. But the magazine itself just it really consumed me and it consumed my life. And I about a, when was this almost two years ago in April? I actually went on a fast. I fasted for four or five days just because I felt like I needed to, mm-hmm. like to clear my head. And you may keep up, but I do do fast every now and again just to detox and stuff. But uh, the reason I just needed some clarity and I, I got clarity. So and, and it was April, actually. So almost two years ago, I uh, went on this fast. And on that fourth day, 
I really received some clarity and I discovered that I was done. I did not want to be a part of the the industry anymore and where just there's certain parts of the industry that just really shocked me and I just couldn't bear with it anymore. And I was literally working 10 to 12 hours a day on this magazine. I was in charge of a lot. So the correspondence and the uh, all the inundated with emails all hours of the day and the layout and it was just so much and I just couldn't bear it. Like I I felt like I was missing my child. Like I wasn't even able to watch her grow. And so that's when I took a step back and realized, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done. And then I made that decision. May of 2015 was my last issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, I've been getting back into my interior design company, which is skyrocketed. So, which I'm so thankful and glad about. So that's awesome. Because I'm guessing the magazine, especially digital, it's got to be tough to really make a living with it to where you can hire staff to delegate everything is my guess. Oh, you're exactly right. Because we have not, we never were in a position where we just had two and $300,000 just to you know, put into a magazine and hire a copy editor and hire the layout editor. Honestly, I did most of it myself and it was just extremely exhausting. I mean, I learned so much and I taught myself the business and taught myself how to do it properly and effectively. And you're right though, to run a magazine like they do, like they do in New York or whatever, Vogue or any, any magazine that you see on the racks, those, those companies probably are in, well, I know they are in a, a uh, very surmountable amount of debt. So, and I am not going to be doing that. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like there's a writing on the wall with like print magazines. They're still making them, but it just seems like they're, they're all going to start failing in the next five years, but I don't know anything about that. It just, it just seems that way. Actually, you're right. Even Steve Jobs said that print was dead and how long has he been gone? And he said print was dead. So it will be eventually. I mean, it's slowly turning. It's slowly becoming that way. I mean, anytime I get a piece of mail or a magazine in the uh, in the mail or trash mail or whatever, that's literally where it goes. It goes in the trash. I don't. And people are like, oh, can I send you my magazine or can I send you my catalog? And I'm like, do you have it online? And most of the time they're like, yeah. I'm like, no, please don't send it. Plus, it's it's more sustainable for the earth. And, of course, that's another subject. So we 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 love being digital. There's so many reasons why people should consider uh, or prefer a digital magazine over print. Okay. So you like fashion. I'm curious. What are Uh-oh. two tips for men and two tips for females? What's hot right now? I didn't give you that. I didn't give you that one on the pre uh, the pre questions. You know, I it's crazy because fashion. I've never really been passionate about fashion per se. I would I I think I'm just more passionate about expressing yourself and being who you are and being comfortable with yourself and comfortable with what you're wearing. I think that's the most important thing. I'm I'm not much of a trendy person. I mean, my haircut, I guess that's pretty trendy, but wait till you see her hair. It's amazing. <laughs> you're crazy. Oh, but you're fun. Um, I guess my haircut, yeah, is trendy, but as far as like what I wear, yeah, it's it's usually quirky and stuff. And I just tell women, because people are always asking me, Hey, do you are you a personal stylist? And I'm like, no, I have no desire because I think what's the most important in your in your outfits, in your persona, in yourself is confidence. 
I think confidence is like the most important accessory. And that goes for men or women. And yeah, it does help if you're put together nice and in a timeless way. And you know, some people should stick away from trends because just because it's a trend does not mean it's going to fit you. And my thing is always this, if you feel confident in what you're wearing, you're going to exude that confidence wherever you go. So don't really necessarily think that you've got to keep up with the trends to, to get attention. Because that's really what it is, is fashion. You're just trying to get attention. Some people aren't, though, too. And that's fine, too. But <laughs> if if you're trying to, like, you know, look good and get attention, and if you're putting yourself out there, just make sure you're confident because that's that's the biggest, most important thing. The saddest thing is when you see people with a they're, – they're buying the stuff that was trendy, like, a while back. Yeah. But, you know, they still <laughs> haven't just made it out of Macy's yet. But, you know, it's like <laughs> nobody wears that anymore. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, right now it's funny, too, because men, Eric's funny. He's like, yeah, I just feel like these these suits are just getting tighter and tighter. I'm like, well, at least you got a nice body for it. So that's good. But it's just it's funny because, you know, men really most men, they're not comfortable with really tight pants. And that's just where the trend is right now. So, you know, don't put don't, you know, stress yourself out and squeeze yourself into those tight pants if you're not going to be comfortable. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you meant he gained weight or be uh if we gain muscles but it sounds like the suits are just getting tighter and tighter yeah that's exactly they're getting tighter and the legs are getting shorter i'm like oh honey you're just we don't need to see the walnuts when you sit down people come on yeah exactly put those away (laughs) that's right Interior designing, do people still have personal shoppers or you had made a comment about that. Is that still a profession in this day and age? I know at one point it seemed like that went down with the economy, but is that back where people actually pay someone to dress them and update their wardrobe? Um, Actually, yeah. My brother-in-law does that for a living. He has his own wardrobe styling business and he's amazing at it. And yeah, people do pay and especially professionals where it's really important because you're putting yourself out there and you're meeting people and you're giving your first impression. And of course, as you know, sometimes image can be everything, unfortunately, but that's just how this culture in this country is. So I think it's important to a certain degree to um, understand the importance, I guess, of how you look. So yes, the people, I think it's a very, very popular profession right now. Um, Of course, you have to be good with people and you know, careful how you speak to them because obviously you don't want to offend them. So I think it's important the communication and respecting, of course. And um, he does a great job and a lot of people are coming to him for help. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting. You know, I read, um, they said doctors, they should wear a white coat and wear a tie. But if you're not going to wear a tie, then you should wear like scrubs. But like a polo is one of the worst things, apparently. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know any of this. It's like, I guess I need to change some of the things that I'm wearing to, to attract these patients a little bit better. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily true, but I would probably go against the Crocs. I've never been a fan Crocs? of those. <laughs> oh gosh, no. Yes. <laughs> That'd be horrible. <laughs> oh, no, I know, right? If you actually wore a polo shirt with Crocs, oh. please no. You're not a chef. No, I think... Right, exactly. Or you're not going fishing and you need to have rubber shoes. For the way doctors dress, I mean, that's a very interesting question. You know, I never really thought about that. But I guess if I was going into a doctor's office, I would I would almost expect them to be wearing some sort of coat, you know, and with their name on it, I think maybe at a hospital. But for what you do, I think it would be kind of 
professional looking, you know, like a, as long as it's not summer, but like a long sleeve button down with a tie that looks nice. I mean, that would be, I mean, let's be real. Women like to see men dressed up. Not that men, I guess men do too. You just, you know, whatever. So I think just looking professional. And sometimes when you're the best person, best dressed person in the room, people remember you and they're not going to forget, hey, that doctor dressed really nice. That's right. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go back there His beer because belly he looks cares great. about the wi- <laughs> Yes, <laughs> in that tie. You don't have a beer belly, though. Not me, well, but you know, you not every doctor that. thinks that they should work out. <laughs> right, that's, you're exactly right. But you know what? If they do have a beer belly, maybe they should be a little more concerned about how they dress. That's right. Because if they're put together and if they've got a nice shirt and a nice tie on and they look good, you know, maybe that'll... That'll that'll counter the gut. That's true. If it, or actually, I prefer them working out and eating healthy. But you, you, would, know. you would hope. Yeah, I would hope if you're a, if you're a so-called doctor, let's take care of yourself, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> so, how would um, a young a young buck, 18, 19, 20 years old, how does someone go into a design interior design? Do you have to go to school for this? Can you do? Did you go for school in the school for this, or like what, what should they do? What's your advice? Um, you know, there's a, so many, there's a, a interior design is a huge spectrum. So I did go to school. I went to a four year, I got my four year degree, but to be completely and perfectly honest with you, what I do now is not what I learned in college mm. because what I do is more of the aesthetics, the fun part, the pretty part. I bring a room together. I decide the paint colors and you know, the furniture placement, accessory placement, so that it's a, it's, it feels good and it looks good. And I create a, I create spaces for people. Now you can be an interior designer and work one-on-one with architects and doing the floor plans and get into the technicalities of where the electrical, electrical outlets go, where the lighting outlets go, where should the refrigerator go and stuff like that. Like I never got into that part, honestly, because I felt like it wasn't, it wasn't as fun for me. And I just, I enjoy working with the client more than I think I would with the builder and or the architect, mm-hmm. but it's more personal. And so, no, you certainly do not have to go to school um, if you want to do what I'm doing, honestly. But if you want to be an interior designer and actually work on one with the builders and stuff, yeah, absolutely. You definitely have to go to school for that because that's important. But I definitely wouldn't go to a, like, I would go to an actual interior design school. I wouldn't go to some university and take all these classes for nothing, for sure. Well, I was I'm curious then, because I've never really had to build a building out completely. I thought the architect would be the one putting, well, you're going to have light switches here based on the code, the, the all that kind of stuff. Yes. But the interior designer could actually do a lot of that stuff as well and like encourage the architect to build correctly? Exactly. Interior designers, I think, are very important because let's be real, most of the buying, the buying decision, the decision buying process is primarily made by the woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. The husband is usually like, oh yeah, let's just get a house that you want or whatever. So you, I notice that all the time, women are always complaining, oh, they should have put the laundry room on the first level or they should have done this and they should have put an outlet there. Absolutely. Builders should understand and architects should understand how important it is to have a woman in the picture and, and just to get a different perspective, a different, and it's so, it's just so important because that's, what's going to sell your house is the, uh, the efficacy of your home and how people use your home. So, you know, you can't just throw up, just throw it up just to throw it up. You got to put some thought into it. And I think that would definitely, it would definitely make a difference. I think if more interior designers were involved in the process. Hmm. Very interesting. So do you? Yes. Are you? 
Was that? Sorry, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, are you building a house? Do you need me to help no, you? <laughs> no, I'm good. Actually, you know, in China, I live in a, like a, an apartment that they just didn't do a whole lot with. And I just was, I've been to other people's houses and that's kind of what I've seen too. And I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, they just sort of, whatever, it's white walls, like a hospital practically. And they just, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, then that impressed. And then you go to like a hotel and you're like, oh my gosh, it's as fancy as you'd expect it to be. And then you yeah. go to some people's houses that have more money and they've decorated their uh, on the inside. And you're just like, whoa, you can do all of this here? I just didn't go to the right yeah. store. Like it's really posh inside. And um, yeah, yeah, you just got to have people to help you to plan it out. To put it together. Yeah. And I think that's a huge um, misconception with people. And because I help them every single day, I'll walk into a house and white walls and no color and just very minimal, minimal furniture, which is fine. If you're a minimalist, I get it. I get it. You don't, a lot of people just want to keep things simple because their lives are stressful or their, their job is crazy. And maybe they travel all the time. Uh, everybody's different. Everybody wants different things, but one huge, huge, huge misconception is how color affects you and how having things that you love and then inspire you surrounding you in your space makes a difference in your emotions and it makes a difference in, in your mood. And I, every time I help someone and when I'm finished, they always, almost all of them say the same thing. And that is, I wish I would have done this sooner. And I wish I would have known how much happier I would be if I would have known that I would have done it sooner. I'm like, well, I guess that makes me feel good because I did my job. But then, you know, people don't realize it, you know, until it's done. Wow. So what's a good color for uh, calm and healing? Calm and healing. That would be uh, blues and greens like the ocean. Blues and greens. <laughs> Check. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I will bill you. I appreciate it. So I had yellow walls once. What does that say about me? Ay, ay, ay. That's, you know, it depends on the yellow. It depends on the tone of well, that yellow. But yellow's down. good. It's a happy color. Yeah. yeah, it's a good color as long as it's soft and not too bright. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to reveal one more for you just for fun. Please. My bedroom, because I was a single man, I can do whatever I want. I had that CGI yes. green. CGI? What is that? Like that Kelly green? No, like that really bright green they use in TV. Did you get any sleep? Yeah, well, actually, I ended up not sleeping in that room after a while. I went to the smaller room. That was like the bigger room. And I just yeah had the bright green and I loved it. Every time I walked in, I just smiled from ear to ear because it was so bright and beautiful. But then I ended up sleeping in the smaller room because it had better air conditioning. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, subconsciously, it was probably the green. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, don't, I can't imagine like anybody with bright colors, if you're surrounded by those bright, was it like a Kawasaki green? Because that would yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, okay. like eighties. So green. that would be really, yeah, like yeah, like eighties Kawasaki green. Like that's high energy. <laughs> like that's the kind of green that you see in gyms. Mm-hmm. So, did you feel like working out during your sleep? No, I, I mean, I'm I was just, just every time I went in there to iron my clothes, I was ready. I was like, let's get this gate going. <laughs> Well, you know what? I guess color can affect different people different in different ways. So I'm not gonna no judgment. All right, good. If you want a green wall, if you want a green wall, let's do a green wall. But then you'll probably call me in like six months and say I can't sleep. I definitely had to pay so. to uh, get it repainted when I sold it. The <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> it, it was like this whole house has to be redone. I was like, no. <laughs> people want yeah, a red kitchen. I would have been that state. 
Yeah, I would have been that stager. I would have been like, no, nah, this has got to go. We got to change this yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that one. <laughs> well, what has been mm-hmm. some of your top two ways that you market yourself these days? You know, I would have to say like platforms I use, like Facebook. Whatever, however you get business. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is going to sound cheesy or not, but I guess I feel like I get most of my business from my relationships with people. I really like to... I get to know people and I don't know if it's because I've cut that small town mentality. And yes, I was born and raised in a very small town where, you know, you know, everybody, everybody speaks to each other. You smile, you wave. And I was grown. I grew up with that. So where do you meet people? I feel like I, um, <laughs> wow. I meet people at coffee shops. I meet people in a yoga class at the gym. Um, Eric and I, of course, with Ventra, we have our own mastermind meeting groups. So we started those and we're meeting a lot of great people with that, of course. Mm-hmm. And just my clients, a lot of most of my work that I get is referral and or I'll do some crazy post on the local uh, the local community uh, Facebook page. And it gets attention because I usually put some crazy stuff out there. And like, okay, for example, I have this picture of Ryan Gosling. Did you see this post I made? Probably not. I don't know. He's a pretty ripped guy. Okay. I know. So, right. Most women are just like, oh, Ryan Gosling, right? So part of my, part of my marketing, I think, okay, what would get attention and what's better than Ryan Gosling? And so at the top, I, of course, I get to create my own marketing materials because I know how to do that. And uh, so I created this image where I had Ryan Gosling and it said, if you hire Teresa, I'll come over and fluff your pillows. <laughs> and I swear, like I've had just because of that simple image of Ryan Gosling and what he said. No, it said, hey, girl. I said, hey, girl, if you hire Teresa, I'll come over and fluff your pillows. And then my website was on the bottom. And I swear, like I've gotten probably four or five clients just from that post. So I think. You know, marketing yourself and putting yourself out there and being crazy, be re- be remarkable, and that's what Seth Godin says. Seth Godin, he's a pretty influential guy in the business realm, but he always says, uh, "Be remarkable, and people will remember you." So that's the kind of things I think about too when I'm when I'm marketing myself, even if I'm meeting someone. And maybe that's another reason why I cut my hair off two years ago because I felt like. It wasn't fitting me or who I wanted to be. I want to be someone that that does things differently and wants to and and attract the right people that are crazy like me and go getter. And and apparently cutting my hair was like the best thing ever because so many people will come up and be like, oh, my God, I love your hair. I love your haircut. Who did your hair? And almost on a daily, weekly basis, someone compliments my hair because barely anybody really has this haircut yeah. so i mean it's becoming definitely more common now but which i'll have to do something different here soon but look at the picture she <laughs> she has real hair on top it's just her sides are cut like yeah. a real short like a real short yeah like a yeah, man I, I, I was like well i don't want to say it but <laughs> no it's okay it's okay like, it's i was raised really in the 90s it was now. like you know that's what guys yeah. wore if they were into like black jeans and yeah. goth metal yeah, it's so true. Like the short shaved sides or faded sides with the mohawk. It's pretty much a mohawk right yeah. now. I got a hair I got a haircut yesterday. So My goodness. got it all trimmed up. <laughs> now I notice that uh, now I now when I'm out and about, if I see a man with a nice haircut, I'm like, Oh wow, you got a nice haircut because we have the same haircut. <laughs> <laughs> That's gotta be an awkward conversation. <laughs> for the man usually, yeah. not for me. <laughs> Ma'am, please. Uh <laughs> hilarious. 
You're bothering me. All right, so let's see here. We've talked about so much. How do you find a how do you find a balance between like work, hobbies, like you said, yoga. You have a you have a, a young daughter. How do you find time for all of that? What yeah. do you do? It's a very very good and important question. I think there's a lot of times where I I have to be aware of it because I could literally work 20 hours a day with the amount of stuff that I have to do on a daily basis. And I think it's really, um, being aware and conscious, uh, of, of, of what you're missing when you don't have balance. Mm. Right. Because I, we have a seven year old daughter and Eric is, uh, on Ventra and he's, his focus is Ventra and members and the meetings. And of course mine is Ventra magazine and my interior design and my clients. And of course we have a daughter. So to find balance, if, if you don't have balance and if you don't keep balance, things are going to get lost. The important things are going to get lost, like our relationship and our relationship with our kid. But the, the way we do it is time. We set time and days where we focus and let's have a family day and the computers are off at at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. just depends on what we have going on. And when Ajna gets home from school, we talk about things, we communicate. It's not get on the pad right away and get the technology on and let's watch TV. And sometimes we'll watch a movie and stuff like that. But the balance, I think the most important part is, is being aware that you need balance. And then if you're aware of it, then you you create ways to make it work for you because everybody likes different things and they get into different things. But yoga definitely helps me stay centered and grounded and being taking that hour out of my day to really focus on myself and to breathe. And that's that's helped that's helps helps me with my balance because I have literally a nonstop day from morning till night. Oh, what type of yoga do you do? Um, I, we're members at the gym here and there's several different classes. I take a roots class, I take a slow burn class and then a few vinyasa classes. So there's kind of a variety. The roots class is, do, are you familiar with yoga, I'm used to, Justin? My wife bought a vinyasa down, now breathe. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what this means. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, tell your wife I said, good job. Okay. And, um, <laughs> yeah, vinyasa are the ones where you're consistently flowing. So it's all about the breath and making sure that you're taking those deep inhales and those deep, long exhales and the roots classes that I go to, those are amazing because those, <laughs> they're tough, but they sort of, the instructors sort of, um, encourage you to hold a pose for 10 to 15 breaths. And that right there, that is essential into being in the moment. You have to learn and understand how important your breath is. And then when you understand that, you use it in your daily life. Let's say you're in traffic and you're about to honk at the person in front of you when that's not going to serve a purpose, right? So take a moment and take some deep breaths and bring yourself back down and ground yourself and understand you're in the moment right now, accept it. How do we move forward? And, and that's just life in general. I mean, that's how Eric and I on a daily basis try to 
you know, teach ourselves and remind ourselves that let's just focus on this day. Yeah, plan for the future, but focus on how we can be the best today and be the most effective and help the people that we want to help effectively, but then also not lose sight of what we need in our lives and, of course, what our daughter needs as well. So, Well, I'm curious, too, with this, because when two people are super busy with work and they have a kid, they can have... The kid become the top priority with the with mm-hmm. along with the, along with the job, and then the the relationship kind of falls to the wayside. So, what have you guys done? Because you've gone through a lot together. What is anything yeah. that y'all do to make sure that you guys are connected uh, weekly, monthly, or, or make sure that y'all aren't uh, straying apart? You know, that's an awesome question as well. You ask really good questions. Um, Eric and I, we communicate, and when we communicate. We do it respectively, very respectfully to each other. And, you know, we don't tell each other what to do at all. We let it, you know, he doesn't control me. I don't control him. When I need something, I I express it. And if I need help, I ask for it. And I think that's what a lot of people just kind of lose sight of is communicating. It is so important. And then with work, we have a business partnership, right? So it's like, okay, let's be husband and wife now. Can we turn and take off the hats, right? The business partner hat and put on my hubby hat. He puts on his hubby hat and the wifey hats. And so, you know, even during the week or something, we'll have a lunch date or we'll go see a movie. And I know Ajna's in school, so it's convenient for us to go and do something and hang out or go on a hike or do whatever that we want to do and take that that moment. And, and again, that's being aware and being conscious of, okay, things are getting really stressed. We're kind of getting stressed out. Let's take a moment. Let's be aware of the situation and just realize that whatever we need to do today will get done eventually. It's not urgent. So let's take some time right now and go have lunch and talk about you know, life. Let's talk about our next vacation. Let's talk about um, family. Let's talk about our dreams and what we want from each other or what, what do we, what do we still love about each other or what, whatever, just talk. I think that's the most important thing because, you know, when you have kids and you have busy schedules, even people that aren't entrepreneurs and they go to work all day, every day, and they come home and it's about the kid and about dinner and bath time and homework and go to bed, people don't talk anymore. And they're, they're on their phones or checking Facebook and four hours of TV. They put, yeah, exactly. They put so much more, they're, they're, they're busy. Well, I just heard this awesome video yesterday. People are too busy holding their phones instead of each other. And it makes it, it's a good point. People aren't connected like they used to be. And when your family's and your husband and you're, you're married or you're not connected to your spouse and you're not, or even yourself for that matter, you're not connected within yourself and who you are and who you want. And if you're happy, because if you're not happy, how are you going to make your spouse happy? And how are you going to bring happiness and joy into the life of your child? So I think honestly, Justin, I think it starts within yourself. And then you can, and then it's just like a spider web, you know, you're starting to create this spider that you're a spider, you create this web, you you focus on yourself first, and then you can branch out and then you can focus on your spouse and then your relationship and your kid at the same time. Have you, do you have any recommendations? It sounds like you might've read a book or something to, to help in that matter. Like, do you have any recommendations to try to find what it is that you need inside yourself? You know, I think maybe I should write one. Go for it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't have time for that. Um, you know, there's really not a certain book 
that I have that I have in mind as far as a self-help book because most of my self-help honestly mm. and self-improvement has come from searching within myself and asking myself questions and following what it is I hear inside of myself and and doing what I love and honestly just helping other people. It feels good. So I'm going to keep doing in my life what feels good to me and what feels right to mm-hmm. me. So as far as business, I think that's a totally different answer. Um, there's several books and audio books and um, speakers um, that I've listened to that have helped me become more knowledgeable, obviously, but then you, but then I believe in the wisdom. I think that's having the experiences in life that I've had has created me to have a lot of wisdom at the age of 38, as far as, you know, life experiences and what I've learned about myself and about others and how to effectively uh, run a business and develop relationships with people. I think that all of that, the most important thing is experiencing it and experiencing life. And I think, and asking questions, you know, if you know someone that is successful at what you do, go talk to them. I mean, you can read all the books you want, but interact with people, communicate with people, talk to people. It's just, it's just, a, it seems like it's a dying practice. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not, but maybe you, you could see that or you can agree with me on that, but the answers I think mainly come from within and then you just, you just need help along the way. Like everybody. Yeah. And so many times you have to learn through the hard times when things are good. We don't learn. a Oh lot. yeah. Yeah. That's where it all, that's where you learn everything. It really challenges your, your purpose and your, your thoughts and your perceptions about different things and how that changes. And, you know, when we were, when we were doing the real estate, we were making, all that money, you know, your perception of money changes when you lose it all and you go from, you know, wealthy, in my opinion, I get, you know, everybody has their own definition of wealth, but when you go from wealthy to broke, like literally broke, how your perception of money changes in an instant. Mm -hmm. And then when you start making money again, you start looking at money at a whole different way, how it can serve you, how it can serve others. And it's, Life, I mean, your experiences, I think, is what teaches you the most, honestly. Agreed. It's, it's, what taught, it's what has taught me the most is my experiences and what I've taught myself, I guess. But, yeah. Very good. Do you have um, any kind of phone apps that you just love, business or pleasure? I'd like to ask these like, light, light questions at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you got to make it fun. I understand that. Um, you know, I don't have time. <laughs> I, I don't have time for like, oh, that sounds bad. It's not. Okay. The only app that I use outside of like the boring ones would be like my, my yoga schedule app. <laughs> but that's, I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't really, I don't do any of that. And the only other thing would probably be like my, my, how to, uh, take pictures of your phone and then like create a collage or something and make it cute and fun. Like, because of my daughter like that's the only other app that i really use i just don't have time for much for much no problem extracurricular extracurricular apping <laughs> i just don't have time for that <laughs> very understandable well um how can people find you i have uh if they are looking for my interior design that website is teresa lipsy designs.com uh people can find me on facebook teresa lipsy and or our other company is ventra 
V-E-N-T-R-E dot X-Y-Z. And that is the platform for entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. Now, what do they do in this site? I think we kind of skipped over we, that. Yeah, we didn't really talk about Ventra. Ventra, uh, we launched it about a year ago, actually. We're pretty excited. It's taken a long time to really put this platform together. Uh, we finally figured out and, you know, f- stepping back to the conversation about top boutique shop. Yeah. So we, what we wanted to do is instead of helping just fashion boutiques, we decided to kind of pivot it and help all, help any and all entrepreneur and or business owners with this concept. So basically Ventra.xyz is an online platform, digital platform that it provides tools and resources for business owners to connect with other businesses to earn track, get traffic. We have, you can get a directory listing. You can post your coupons, your events. You receive customer feedback. You can advertise with us, of course, in our magazine. You, we have a power partner request. So you can, if you become a member, you can send a power partner request to another member. So you guys can kind of connect and help each other grow your business Gosh, there's just so much that we do uh, in the future. You ask about a five-year plan. Our our plan for Ventra is to be, well, first of all, definitely local, but national and perhaps international because I believe in anything's possible, right? So what we want is... Um, we we want to be, we want to become, we want Ventra to become the the online tool or the online place entrepreneurs go to to increase their business or to get help with their business or to get funding for their business. I would absolutely love it if we when we get to a point where we can actually fund businesses and invest in small companies. That's definitely a five-year plan, part of our five-year plan. Um, I mean, we see so much and we have all these ideas, but of course, you know, some of these ideas cost an insurmountable amount of money because, you know, we don't think small, we're, we're big thinkers and we just literally want to change the world for small business and for entrepreneurs and get them the exposure that they deserve and that they need to grow their business. And that's really the sole purpose of Ventra. And that's why we started it because we're entrepreneurs and we know what it's like to start a business with no money. We know what it's like to have three good months and then have, oh, I'm probably not allowed to cuss on this. I'll edit it out anyway. (laughs) I won't say it. So, okay, let's say three bad months. Okay. So we, we know. And if if there's that time where you're a business owner and you're like, oh man, if I could just get five grand, that'll get me through the next month or whatever. We want to provide that. We want to provide that source for people. And again, this is based on our experience, the things that we've learned and experienced through our 13 years of entrepreneurship. And it's just, we've, you know, we've taken the concepts and ideas of like Yelp and Monster and Chambers of Commerces and Leads Groups, and we basically sort of pivoted the ideas and made it more effective and more affordable. That's kind of what I tell people because they're trying to be like, okay, well, what does Ventra really do? I'm like, well, we do all these things, but we make it more, we make it more cost effective for you and your business and we make it more um, effective for your time, on your time. And then we definitely, definitely want to encourage people to develop relationships. So nothing, what markets you know, are y'all not, in? I'm sorry, what? Uh, what markets are y'all in? Um, like Denver or past Denver main- or? Right now, it's mainly Denver and North Denver. Okay. But we, of course, we want to branch off and have 
it'd be really great to have chapters and then yeah that's what i was wondering if, if somebody's in another area they're like that sounds interesting i'd like to get a part of that maybe we can yeah have a group of their own people and create their own uh subdivision or chapter like you said yeah exactly well eventually it's gonna get bigger than us i mean right now it's just eric and i putting together these events and you know me pushing out this magazine on a i do the magazine on a quarterly basis and mm. ventra ventra magazine is more for the global audience so we'll feature uh you know products and services that people can purchase online and that company could be in brazil or it could be in china or whatever so we definitely want and that's why we started the magazine because we want to develop that global audience because that's what we see for ourselves that's what we see for ventra is developing a global audience of entrepreneurs very good well i'm glad we covered that <laughs> i know it's very important too because that's primarily that's primarily what we're doing right now and what we're doing together so it's very important to us it, it consumes all of our time <laughs> yeah it's amazing how much time it takes to do all these things like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah you get one computer crash and it's like oh no yes you're like, have, yes you're like i don't have time for this i mean <laughs> even with with just everyday life things you know having a daughter in school and stuff like that i mean that's that's more time of course it's so important that we invest time into her and her activities and what she's learning and making sure that she's healthy and happy and we literally just had a conversation last night and that's sometimes too we'll check in with each other are you happy eric and i do that a lot just stop and just ask the question, as weird as it sounds, but you just ask, are you happy? And if you're not happy, let's talk about why you're not happy and what can I do to make you happy? Or not make you happy, but is there something in your life that you feel like you want to do or that you're missing that's that's taking happiness away from you? So we always stop. And, we, and we're straightforward with Ajna too. We just straight up and ask her, like, are you happy? Is there something that you want? Are, are you missing something? And I think asking questions too, man, that's huge. Just asking questions to your spouse and to your kids because how else are you going to know? Yeah. Especially you the know? kid when they don't really, they're not in full grip of their emotions yet. If yeah. you ask the right yeah. questions, they'll get it out of them. Yeah, exactly. Or have them ask questions too. But even like asking questions to our members, the members of Ventra. It's like, what can we do for your business? What do you need for your business? We're trying to create this custom feel. Not every business needs the same thing. Not every business person uh, is comfortable going out to these, these group meetings and meeting other people. So how can we make it work for you? And uh, what can you afford? Uh, what, what do you need the most? And we always ask questions. We ask people questions. And that's, I think, what sets us apart from all those other groups out there and all those other things that, you know, people join all these groups and it's like, they're not getting anything in return. And we, cause we've been there and you've mm -hmm. been there, yep. right? Because yep. I'm, I'm just going to say it when we own Reese's rocks, we joined the Westminster chamber of Pro uh, West Cham promise. That's funny. Westminster chamber of commerce. And I can remember maybe one person, maybe two people coming in, and maybe one person buying something and it's like, wait a minute, yeah. what, are you, what are you actually doing for me? What are you actually doing for my business? And then it came down to it. They really weren't doing anything. So you people join these groups because that's what's cool or it's just conditioning, you know. Oh, yeah. Once you start a business, you got to join the chamber. And, yeah. you know, for some business, you know, you always hear that. And people just without question, they join it. And because that's all they know. And I understand that because I've been there. But. 
chamber, but this is thing. This is the thing. Ventra is is what's moving. Is where people are going and what what how we're trying to change business and improve business and invest into businesses. I think chambers are good on like a community level. Like they mm-hmm. get out there, like they have their their big events and stuff where, and they give back. I think to some charity and stuff like that, and that's great. But. I thought, right, the goal is to support your local businesses and to actually give them business. So well, that's a whole mind shift that I don't think, you know, I go to a movie theater here locally and it's only five bucks to go to the movie. So it's pretty awesome. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's awesome. And the popcorn is caramel popcorn, which is amazing. And I can go to the grocery store down the street, smuggle it in, only pay five of their money. And yeah. then the popcorn, the theater is like 15 Right. So it's triple the price. You know what I mean? That's, that's what you expect. Right. And uh, I told my wife, I was like, you know why I'm doing it? I'm buying it here. It's because if you don't do that, they're not going to be here and we're not going to be able to go watch movies anymore. Exactly. Like you have to support these guys. You can't just support yeah. the big grocery stores. Exactly. And- You're exactly right. So thank you for thinking like that. And I think that's what, that's why I feel sometimes what we do is not just getting, you know, it's not just getting people more business or getting them one more customer through the door or 10 more, 20 more. It's we're trying to change the perception of how people think where they shop and and who they give their business to. And that's really hard to do because of conditioning and because of what they've always done. And, you know, I'm always going to go to Walmart. I'm going to always go to Walmart and buy this. I'm going to go to Target and buy this and Kohl's or whatever. It's like, Think about the people out there that really need and deserve your business. Yeah, you might pay a little more money, but where is that money going? Really? It's going to your kid's school. It's going to, you know, their bills every month. It's going to that family's rent every month or their whatever they need to survive. So, and of course, I just know this because I've been there. It's experience. It's understanding people and understanding the way that it works. Yeah. So. I don't understand when people complain like, you know, like you said, like Walmart comes in and all the mom and pop stores shut down. You know why they shut down? Because your town valued a $3 box of cereal (laughs) instead of paying $4.25 at mom and pop store. And now, you know, Boudreaux and Thibodeau's store is now shut down and their whole family's poor or has to go find some kind of job. And you're just like, well, it's too bad they didn't make it. Yeah. You're the reason they didn't make it because you abandoned them as soon as this cheaper option came by. You know what? You're you are so right. And let me tell you too, one other um thing that happened while we ho- owned our second fashion boutique down in the Golden Triangle. <coughs> Sorry. So we had to close. We didn't really talk about that business, but when Ajnari's boutique, when we had to close that business, it was because <laughs> The stuff that we had was higher price point. It was higher quality. It was stuff around the world. It was local artists, local designers. And, you know, selling probably 30 to 40 uh, made in the United States t-shirts, uh, 60 to $70 dresses, some cowboy boots, and some $400 handbags. I mean, it was like medium, you know, on the medium level of quality and price point. And 
this was also the year when everybody started consignment shopping and thrift stuff. You know, that song came oh, out. That yeah. Right. So that song came out that year and everybody started thrift shopping, which, of course, I have no problem with that. I even do that myself now. So I am, you know, the, the sustainability of it. You can still support a local business with thrift, thrift shopping and consignment shopping. I'm all about it. But back then it was tough for us to survive because of that reason. Our products were new. They were higher priced. And then we just, of course, had to close the store because of that whole era, that whole thrift shopping. Let's get this as cheap as I can kind of thing. So, of course, I noticed a decline in our sales because of that. Um, But this lady, we were closing. I had a store outside the front, out out front of the store. And I was like, you know, the whole store, 50% off store closing. And I admit I was emotional. And I was not enjoying the fact that we had to close yet another store. And this woman finally comes in, probably because of the sale sign. And she's like, oh, oh, wow, you guys are closing. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, I, I, I just never had the time to stop by. I'm like, well, that's why we're closing. <laughs> because, you know, and then I don't know if she thought that was rude or not, but it felt really good to say because that's exactly how I felt at that moment. I'm like, that's why, because you never, you know, stopped in and at least stopped. And she said, I love everything you have and blah, blah, blah. And, and she, and then she kept saying, awesome, I can get all these deals. I'm like, and then of course, from my perspective, yeah, mm-hmm. it's completely different. Like, yeah, I'm excited for you and your deal, but look at it from my perspective. I'm closing my business. I don't even know what the heck I'm going to do next kind of thing. So it's perspective. Did she even buy anything? Nope. She never bought anything. I'm See? Like, well, there you go. It's I a mean, great deal. Whatever. It's a great deal, but I still don't want it. I know. You know what? And to be honest with you, because of that experience and what I've been through, when I see a store, you know, store closing, especially if it's a small business, and if I see 50% off, whatever, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm, I feel bad for them, because I know if it's 50% off, they're not making any money, they're trying to recoup their costs, and they're going out of business, and it makes me sad. So I've been to a couple businesses before where I actually paid full price. I'm like, I know what you're going through. I'm going to give you full price and I just hope it helps you get to that next step. And they, one lady I did that too, she was in tears. So it's like, you know what, if I can help in any way, like I'm going to do it. And and I probably thought I was crazy, but I just know what it feels like. So yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, let's let's end it with that. That's a really powerful (laughs) story. And I just want to thank you so much for your time, your honesty, your openness, and uh, just being remarkable. Thank you, Justin. You're so sweet. I I really enjoyed interviewing with you and I'm available anytime because I could probably talk about a lot more. So anytime. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks again. Yes. Thank you, Justin. Teresa, thank you so much. I really sense the vulnerability and the honesty and authenticity. And we really appreciate that here on the show and just exploring so much of the past, so much of the future and um, very encouraging, enlightening, and wish you the best in 2017 with Interior Design with Ventra.xyz. Guys, gals, check it out. Like she said, maybe it's something that you might find a value in in your own town. And maybe, maybe you could be the person to spearhead it and watch it grow and see the benefits in your own place. Stay tuned with a travel tip. Show notes are at a doctorsperspective.net slash 17.
They're ready. Paperback, Kindle versions are available on Amazon. As always, you can also snag a free copy if you'd like a doctorsperspective.net slash free ebook. Today's choices, tomorrow's health, small steps to improve health, food choices, and exercise. Learn how to go from a couch potato or a weekend warrior and have simple steps kind of personalized just for you. Three different blueprints for exercise, how to cut some carbs without hurting yourself. A couple of changes in what and how you eat so that there's not a lot of extra willpower and self-control necessary to reduce how much you eat. 12 exercises, a 10-minute cardio that's better than 30 minutes, 3-minute stretching concept that won't make you roll your eyes in boredom, an ab routine you won't quit, exclusive Facebook support group, yes, and an entire section about a nervous system reboot discusses chiropractic subluxations and things like that. Look, if you want it, again, a doctorsperspective.net slash free ebook. It has a, a video explaining what it is, a little PowerPoint presentation in there, and put your name, put your email, and then you can make your choice. If you want to support the show, we have merchandise. We've got upper cervical chiropractic t-shirts. We've got podcast logo t-shirts, mugs, hoodies, as well as a generous buy the host of coffee PayPal button if you want to. No pressure. If you want to follow me on social media, the easiest way to find me is to go to a doctorsperspective.net. Look on the top right. It's kind of like a gray color. There's all the little social media icons. If you need to email me, I would love to hear your comments, critiques, etc. Justin at a doctorsperspective.net. Connect, comment, and I'll reply back. And if you can, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. Go to the site. Give us a review hopefully a five-star review, but let us know what you think. It'll help us with all the rankings and we appreciate it. And if you happen to get any merchandise, definitely take a picture, post it on social media, hashtag behind the curtain, or you can do at whatever my tag is and I'll definitely give you a thumbs up. Today's travel tip is to carry on your luggage. Do your best to not have to pack a bag. How often do you notice your bag is late? Your train, your plane was late, now your bag is late. Now your vacation is starting way later than you wanted it to be. So that's annoying. And then if you're traveling, now you got to deal with carrying a bag around. And if it's not a very uh, walking friendly, now you, what are you going to do with it? So it's just easier. I mean, you can still have a carry on that's a roller. I guess I should say that. So that's fine. But it's still, you know, you're going to have a you know maximum 25 pounds. So that's much easier to haul upstairs or on your backpack all day. Um, and I, in fact, I would recommend if you're going to have, you need to bring another uh, small backpack, like a, like a school bag. That way you have your all your clothes and everything that you need for the trip and then your day pack. That's what they like to call it, a day pack. So while you're walking around, you can have kind of what you need, the essentials for the day without having to carry everything. Of course, you don't need a week's worth of clothes with you at all times. And then, you know, most hotels have like a safe to put your, your, belong, your valuables in. You know, as far as the ladies go, especially if you're traveling overseas, they have hair dryers usually in the, air, uh, in the hotels. And yeah, just that's that would be my recommendation travel light we just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end i hope you got the right dose for your optimal life please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest a sincere thank you in advance you've been listening to dr justin trosclair giving you a doctor's perspective